This is January 14th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and this episode is coming right after the Bruins just blew that lead. Uh, to the Flyers, and Brad Marchand had the worst shootout attempt in history. Uh, but on this episode, I had on uh, CLNS Bruins writer and reporter Mike Petralia, Trags, as he's most commonly known. <clears throat> and Trags uh, has kind of taken on uh, the Bruins beat this year and covering the team for CLNS uh, very well. Uh, and he came on and we discussed that. And we discussed also a ton of other topics because obviously this is a weekly podcast. So for those of you listening on, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, this Flyers loss is probably pretty meaningless uh, by then. Maybe it isn't. Maybe you guys are going to be losing sleep all week over this. Who knows? Um, but before we get into all that, I want to tell you about uh, my good friends over at betonline.ag. Football playoff races are heating up, and you can follow all the action at betonline.ag as your favorite team makes their way to the end of the regular season and in the playoffs. It's all about playoffs and draft picks. And betonline.ag is there for you during this postseason drama. Up-to-date info, including odds and lines, every spread, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or even tease your way through the season. Before the next kickoff, head over to BetOnline to receive your 50% welcome bonus. And be sure, sure to use our promo code CLNS50 and take advantage of our great offer today. Again, go to betonline.ag and use the promo code, wait for it, CLNS50 and get a 50% welcome bonus. Bring the game home with betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike Petralia. And we're here with Mike Petralia. Trags, what is up? How you doing, Evan? Good. So I have never hosted a instant reaction podcast before. For those who don't know, we're recording this at 10 p.m. Monday night. So this is right after the Bruins just blew a five to two lead to the Flyers, lost in a shootout six to five. The, the, the losing in the shootout part is not uh, unexpected. It's how no, they lost. No, oh, oh for seven now. Correct. And Brad Marchand missed the puck. That's how bad they've gotten. The I've never. Yes, I cannot believe when I saw Marshan's stick graze the puck and then the puck move about two feet, not even, maybe one foot off the dot, off the center dot. And I think uh, Razor, Andrew Raycroft said it best on Nesson. He could not do that again if he tried. And you're talking about one of the best offensive players in the world. It just is a metaphor for how miserable they are in shootout and how psyched out. Yeah, I remember, you know, last week it was uh, David Posternock saying, yeah, maybe it is in our head that we can't win a shootout. Well, that certainly was the case on Monday night against the Flyers. But look, anybody watching that Flyer game on Monday night realizes the Flyer, the Bruins blew that game when they were up five to two and then, uh, uh, they got sloppy with their defense and allowed the Flyers to get back in it with two goals before the end of the second period. Yeah, I was actually posting a GIF. Uh, I think of the Halak save in the shootout where he got it with the back of his glove. I was posting that, and I just happened to take my eyes off the TV for a few minutes or a few seconds, 
and I see Marshawn skating and the refs coming together and I'm like, well, did they tell him to go at the wrong time? And then it's like, no, he just missed the puck. I mean, and as, as, as Raycroft said perfectly, you legitimately could not do that if you tried. So terrible. They are so bad in the shootouts and th- I can confidently say drags. I will put all my money on this. There's no way they could possibly get worse than this in the shootouts. There's no way, unless two guys miss the puck, but there's no possible way. I, they also said this in the post game after, and I agree with it. Put new guys out there. Get yep. Chara out there. Get McAvoy out there. McAvoy's been okay in shootouts in his career. Just get different guys in there and just throw shit against the wall and see if it sticks at this point. Because Marshall. My problem not doing with it. the whole game. Osternock is not doing it either, by the way, in the shootout. He's been god awful. Okay, forget the shootout, because the shootout is not a bothersome factor to me, because when you get to the games that matter, you're not going to have shootouts, playoffs, we all know that. What bothered me was how soft the Bruins became when it was 5-2, and then when it was 5-4 and the Flyers were turning up the pressure, the Bruins were sagging deep in the zone, and their forwards were not getting back. And when we heard Bruce Cassidy about a month to a month and a half ago get really ticked off at his team, he's like, where are the forwards? Forwards got to get back. Forwards got to play defense. Where are the forwards? And they were – seriously, there was no – they were nowhere to be found on the game-tying goal that made it 5-5. I think it was Provorov who scored the game-tying goal, and he was all alone by himself. Well, yeah, I mean, Grizzlick was just standing by the side of the net, not, didn't even, you know, have his stick on, I think it was Sanheim who scored the game-tying goal, um, and Coyle was to the side of the net. I mean, there was just no net front coverage. Uh, they also blew a three-goal lead to the Flyers. Not the first time the Bruins franchise has blown nope. a three-something lead to the Flyers before. At least it wasn't too many men on the ice this time. Throwback to 10 years ago. Uh, but, so, uh, for those listening... Uh, on Tuesday morning, you probably want us to dive deep into the Flyers' loss. This is a weekly podcast. The Bruins play tonight. They play against the Blue Jackets. We we can't spend our whole time talking about this. Right. But there are some takeaways from this game that I think are bigger picture. Um, so uh, they suck in shootouts. Uh, they blow that lead, which they've been better of late, so I'm not going to go into them blowing every lead because they haven't. Um, they did last night though, so whatever. Um, Halak has been shaky. Yaroslav Halak, the past X amount of times out, past five times, I'd probably say, has been very shaky and he's letting in soft goals. Can't have that. Well, Sean Couturier's goal, I mean, that was about as shaky as you got because it went five hole and it came off his, uh, you know, off a cross ice pass. Uh, from Jake Voracek and, you know, he had the puck played and then just went spread eagle on, on uh, Couturier and Couturier didn't even look like he put a hard shot on goal. He just kind of played the puck toward the net and it went right below Halak. And that's when you're like, uh oh, here, here they come again. And because that fu- when Krejci scored at 5-2, I t- texted you when I said, this flyer defense is abysmal. It's embarrassingly Terrible. bad. So bad. And I'm like, this is going to be like an 8-1-10-2. Literally, I thought the Bruins were going to have a shot at scoring 10 goals. And then the Bruins went soft. And yeah. Halak was not terrible, 
but he was not strong enough to make the goals, uh, make the saves uh, in a second and third period when they needed just one save. One timely save would have avoided this. The Bruins win it in regulation, and you know you move on to Columbus on Tuesday night. But now uh, the tone of what uh, is going to take place in Columbus on Tuesday night takes on a little bit more urgency, and then you move into the rest of the week. And it's just, it's one of those games where they got to learn to put a team, a team like the Flyers who right now are on the outside looking in, you got to put that game away. And you're up five to two. You're up five to two. And granted, some of those goals down the stretch were not solely Yaroslav Halak's fault. No. But you score five goals. You've got to make those saves. You've got to find a way. This sounds cliche. Got to dig deep. You're up five to two. And and this speaks to the bigger picture. Halak really has not been great. Um, there was that game that they had against Winnipeg. There were some really soft goals there. Um, and it's just kind of been the thing with him of late. Uh, I would not be surprised to see Tukarask on a little bit of a run here. Um, you know, ride him for a little bit. But also, don't give up on Halak yet. Halak's it's it's a mid-season no, slump. Totally it's be all right. serviceable backup. That's the point of this is not to rip. Yaroslav Halak and say, oh, he sucks. He shouldn't be the backup goalie. No, but um, if something were to happen to Tuca, uh, you've got to expect a little bit better play from Halak. And in a game like that, I think Halak, you know, would certainly acknowledge after the game that he's got to be better in some of those moments. So the big piece of news breaking uh, Monday was Tuka Rask decides to sit out the All-Star game. And he said to reporters, quote, this decision is tough, but for me, I had to be kind of selfish thinking how much hockey we played last year in the short summer and thinking of playing until June again. Um, and he mentioned spending more time with his family. Uh, first of all, I love how Rask is just so sarcastic and saying that he's quote unquote selfish when he really isn't. I mean, that's not, I, I guess it's selfish, but no, people but he, understand. His point is I'm being selfish, but I'm being selfish for the of my team and not selfish. His own irony of the statement is that, yeah, he is being selfish, but he's being selfish because he wants to be the best he can be for the team later in the season, not for some meaningless exhibition in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, the All-Star game means one thing, and it's for young guys to kind of get the recognition they deserve. For a guy like Zuccarask, he does not need an All-Star game appearance to sort of show the world how good he is. I mean, I think everybody pretty much knows. Well, some people don't, it's for but Dave, it's, it's okay. David Pasternak. It is. It's for guys like Pasternak. It's for young stars like that to sort of get their name out there more, show their face. Guys like Austin Matthews become the face of the league at those types of events. Um, and I think it's the right move by Rask. I, I don't think you're going to hear, hear anybody. No, I don't think you're going to hear a single person say Rask should have went. How unbelievable he didn't go. No. Like, I, I don't think anybody's going to care. I, I think down the line, you get that no, full almost no, two no, weeks no, of rest. Care. It's it's the right thing to do. And, you know, you gladly serve the one-game suspension, big whoop, and, yeah, you know, cares? you know, he gets a little bit more. I mean, that that is so meaningless at this point. Um, and it's kind of a tip of the cap by the league of saying, look, we want you there. I uh, feel there is some obligation for you to be there, but we understand why it wouldn't be, um, especially if it's a player like Rask uh, or obviously Alex Ovechkin, uh, same kind of deal. You know, they the league is totally aware. I think at some point you don't suspend the guy a game. What you do is 
find them and say, you know, that money will go to some NHL charity, uh, you know, as a way of saying, look, we, we understand that you want to be fresh come playoff time and the playoffs, uh, are our showcase event. I mean, the Stanley Cup playoffs is what the NHL should be celebrating even more, uh, than the, uh, all-star game. And, and I think everybody in the league understands that. Yeah, nobody cares about the All Star Game. Nobody gives a shit about the All Star no. Game. I'm sorry, nobody cares, no. and and it's whatever. It's cool, um, but I, yeah, what matters is him being fresh in April, May, and June, rather than oh, he took a break from his bye week to go, you know, ditz around in St. Louis for a few days, and then you know go back to his bye week. Uh, just really not. Uh, it doesn't have that much meaning. So, uh, something else that happened in that Flyers game. Uh, you might not remember because it happened way before everything else, all the fun stuff, all the crazy stuff happened. But David Pasternak scored again, his 36th of the season, uh, now on pace for thir- uh, for 63 goals. I want to say my algebra skills, I always was told in school, uh, and, and I always figured, you know, I'll never need algebra for what I want to go into. <laughs> You're hilarious. I will, never, I will never need algebra for what I want to go into. I always would say that. I'd say, fuck this class. Um, I don't need it. And I'm sitting at Bruins games doing uh, fractions and comparing. So what, right. for people who don't know how you judge this, how you how judge, you how you do on pace, how you project, yep. you do the amount of goals over the amount of games played. So right now it's 36 over 47. And then you equal N because we're advanced over 82. And then you do uh, top times Cross the bottom. Correct. Cr- Exactly. Cross multiplication. And then you divide and boom. And I have become a mathematician. I am going to say it. I am the best math person on the Bruins beat in general. I will say that. And I don't think this, I've been the one tweeting this out. Nobody else has been tweeting out what he's on pace for. I think just nobody can do the math. Um, but in reality, unbelievable. I mean, this guy, I said this to you after um, the Winnipeg game when he scored the hat trick. I said, Trags, let alone 50 this guy could hit 60. Like, yes. there's a legitimate possibility he hits 60, and you outlined it very well in your piece after the game, I thought. Yeah, well, and I think he's going to be the best goal scorer, pure goal scorer that the Bruins have had uh, since Espo in 74 and 75. And he, Espo in 74 and 75 was the last Bruin to reach his 60-goal plateau. And I think, barring injury, Pasternak is well on his way. Think about that. It's been nearly, uh, four, it's been 45 years since a player has been on that kind of pace, uh, for that figure, for the 60-goal plateau. And it's just something nice to kind of appreciate. And the other thing I love about watching David Pasternak, and I know you'll agree with this, there's a joy about watching him play and he enjoys what he's doing. And he's got the, every time I, I, I'm in the locker room and talking to him after a game, he's got a genuine smile. And I just love that about covering the guy. I hate that he's happy. I wish he was miserable all the time. I wish he was yeah, horrible of course to the you do. And I wish well, he scored zero goals. <laughs> Well, you you uh, could be at least he, you're not talking about the uh, Red Sox. Well, that's true. That's that's a whole, that is a whole that's other crap show. That's that misery. is misery. We that are lucky is going to be. We are lucky on the Bruins covering the Bruins that it is a they're winning. They aren't cheating as uh, for what we know. Um, they're a happy bunch. 
even when they're not great, like uh, they lost to the Oilers four to one the day the Patriots lost to the Titans, and like talking right. to Sean Corrali after it was like you know the guy just witnessed his dog get killed, um, but it still wasn't as bad as what's going on with the Red Sox and the Patriots. So I kid about Pasternak. I love that he's happy. Um, watching him play is a total joy. Um, and it's, it's fun to watch right now. I mean, as you said, the, the Espo thing, I think is completely accurate. I mean, the guy just score the puck and he's good. He's become better in his own zone. Doesn't hurt that he's playing with Bergeron and Marshawn. Um, but which leads to the next subject, doesn't it, Evan? It does. What is that next subject? I'll let you intro that. Cause I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, depth scoring and do the Bruins need to make a deal? Depth scoring, that is correct. I had something before that that we were going to hit, but we okay. just end the show with that. Uh, sorry, but I don't care. It's but I'll just go make this whichever podcast. way you want. What do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about who you think uh, is going to be the addition that Don Sweeney make uh, before the trade deadline. I'm okay. curious to get your read on this. I think it's better we talk about this now than at the end because there's a better chance that you, the listener, are listening right now than at the end. And that's okay. I mean, but I would like you guys to listen to the end. Um, okay, so this happened uh, last week. Uh, Elliot Friedman has a 31 Thoughts podcast. Uh, you should be listening to this podcast and 31 Thoughts and Patriots Beat, by the way. Uh, the Thank you. Hosts. Um, but Elliot Friedman said, quote, I do think if the Bruins wanted to – they could do a deal for Tyler Toffoli almost at any time. I think they know they've got that in their hip pocket. The question is, do you do that or do you wait for Chris Kreider? What I think is hysterical is that looks not great for the Bruins. You basically say, oh, we know we could have this guy, but we want to go for the bigger guy. Who would be leaking that? That's a great question, and that's not they, something I thought of. Right. Um, well, I mean, it's it's pertinent because obviously – Friedman is getting that from somebody, uh, I would assume, in the organization, at the top of the organization. Um, and I'm just curious where you think that, if it matters, where that leak might be coming from. Do you, do you think that's possibly coming from another team that wants to hurt the Bruins' chances at a guy like Tyler Sure, it could be, I guess. Because uh, I don't think Don's, I don't think anybody in the Bruins' world would say to Elliot Friedman, hey, he's in our hip pocket. Like, that's very cocky. Or... um the Kings or a Friedman's been talking to the Kings and the Kings are convinced that the, uh, the Bruins feel this way. What's funny is a lot of these guys like Friedman and Woj and uh, Ken Rosenthal who break these stories and kind of have all these sources everywhere. Uh, a lot of people say you can tell who their source, like a lot of people in the industry can tell who their sources are, like what job they have, whether it be an agent, a GM, uh, mm-hmm. a scout or something. You can kind of tell, I can't tell with this. Um, I, I think it's somebody who wants to kind of hurt the Bruins' chances to Foley. Um, but who knows? It could be the Bruins saying, hey, screw them. We, we could have to Foley tomorrow if we wanted to. Um, yeah, but, but the knows? other thing is, the other thing is, Friedman, we assume, uh, would not be played like this, right? I mean, he, Correct. he would not allow his blog, his reporting, uh, his platform to be used by another team trying to hurt the Bruins if he was journalistically on the up and up. Yes, and I think, you know, if we're going to compare this to baseball right now, it feels like the people talking about the Dodgers going for Mookie Betts over Francisco Lindor, it feels like that's just a ploy by the Dodgers to get the Indians to, you know, up the, you know, lower the price for Francisco Lindor. It feels like. I feel like that's a thing that people are feeling about that. Um, But I, I don't think Friedman's getting played. Uh, I think that 
he's talking to someone and, you know, someone's saying that. Well, right. Uh, I, that's exactly my point. I don't think he would ever let himself oh, exactly. be played. Um, so let's take that at its word. Um, Toffoli, Kreider, I think Kyle Palmieri, Fluto Shinzawa wrote about this this week, about how the Bruins, you know, and Kyle Palmieri would be a perfect fit. Um, my guy that I think they need, I think they need a right shot. I think that right shot is the way to go on, on, cause he's, whoever you get, if he's a scorer at the deadline is going on Krejci's right side, just solidify Krejci's right side, put a right shot there. You can have a left shot, but why confuse things? Just put a right shot there. You have options, do it. Cause you'll have DeBrusque on the left, Krejci in the middle, um, and somebody on the right. I think it comes down to Toffoli or Kyle Palmieri. Um, both are pretty solid goal scorers. Both are in crappy situations, LA and New Jersey. Um, I think it's one of them. I think ideally you're giving up not more than two prospects and not more than two draft picks. If you can do, uh, you know, let's just spitball here. If you can do a Sinitian or Vakaninen or, you know, and a second round pick, by all means, go for it. Um, Try not to give anybody off the current roster. Fluto talked about how, you know, you can trade a guy like Bjork or Heinen for Palmieri. And why? Why would you do that? You're trying to win now. Because don't you're take anybody off the current right. roster. I completely agree that you don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul. There's no, they're not going to do that. I, I don't, wouldn't assume they would do that unless they felt like um, the play, the, the swap that they would make would do two things be an upgrade um, on the top end of their lines and B, be for financial reasons to make it fit under the cap. And also if you lost a guy off the current roster, let's say you lose Danton Heinen or Anders Bjork. Well, there goes a spot on the third line and there's another hole you have to fill. So I don't think they're going to do that because it just creates more. I don't either. And, and you don't, and it doesn't help anything. I, I don't think. Um, but when it comes to Palmieri or Toffoli, I mean, I think Kreider, by the way, is a great option. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I would just rather have the right shot there. Um, and when it comes to Toffoli and Palmieri, Palmieri, I think, is a little bit faster. Uh, Toffoli is a little bit bigger of a body. Um, both are kind of, have had a dip in scoring because of bad situations. Whatever gets you less. I mean, if you feel like you have Toffoli in your back pocket, maybe you go out and get a guy like Toffoli, pay a little bit less, um, and maybe then go out and get a average winger for the third line, possibly. I mean, you know, maybe get two guys instead of one big one. So uh, I, I think Toffoli's more classified possibly as a big one, um, but I just think he's less of a big one than maybe a Palmieri or a Kreider uh, that you would possibly have to get. But the deadline's coming up soon. I, I you know, I, I, this is, it feels like it's years away. It's coming. It's, I, I believe it's the end of February. Um, so, you know, Time is of the essence. Moves are going to start being made. Coils, the move to get Coil was kind of early uh, last season. So that's going to be very interesting. By the way, love the way Charlie Coil is starting to finally come on. Have you noticed? Yes. Yes, yes I have. I think, I, you know, again, it's just the points. He plays a great game. Protects the puck well. Plays well in his own zone. Uh, very good uh, cycling the puck in the offensive zone. He just needs to finish or get, get assists or just get some points because that was a knock on him in Minnesota was he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, consistent. Ironically, another knock on Chris Kreider, who the Bruins, you know, have been rumored to be in on is he's not consistent. So maybe get some consistent guys in here. 
I don't know. But Coyle, I think, is starting to find that. And yeah, and he's and you know he's a, he, he's not old. He's a younger guy. At some point, I think he'll find it. Um, I I I have full confidence in that because he plays a good game. At some point, those things got to break for him. He scored against Philadelphia on Monday night, so uh, maybe as you're right, you're, you're uh, a gorgeous that. goal, by the way. Great he goal, picked and his great, spot and hit it. Great spot by Hein, a great uh, pass by Heinen as well. Um, on that play. So, uh, we'll end the show with this. I, I, I wanted to talk about this earlier, but in the, the scheme of things, I think it's a very low on the totem pole. Also, because, uh, last podcast, last week, I discussed Chara, uh, in relation to Brady, both 42 years old, both with futures unknown, but I didn't discuss Chara's, um, impact on the Bruins because I think it's time that we sort of talk about this. I think, Trags, if I'm correct, I don't know if I am. Uh, I'm not as correct on this as I am of my math, with my math skills. Um, but I think we've talked about Chara's influence before. I don't we remember have. why, but we did. So why, the, why don't we just do it again? Because Chara played his thousandth game hey, with the Bruins. Doing it. it. It is. He played his thousandth game with the fly, uh, with the Bruins against the Flyers on Monday night. Um, and why don't we discuss for a little bit his impact on Boston? Because I think, and on the Bruins, because I tweeted this out early Monday. Uh, no player, I think, has had a bigger impact on the Bruins in the 21st century than Zdeno Chara because he signed with Boston. He demanded to be the captain. He came in, balls to the wall, and was the captain of a team that was not in a good place. The Bruins were not in a good place back then. Dave Lewis was the head coach. <laughs> Dave freaking Lewis. They traded Thornton at the time. The Bruins looked like they were heading for a complete free fall and he comes in sets an incredible standard in the locker room and you know they hire Claude they you know they sign Savard at the same time as well there were some obviously some other things happening but it all started with his leadership at the top and a year later the Bruins were in the playoffs and it's been history ever since so I think Chara absolutely deserves every the biggest thing he has done is change the culture He's changed the culture in the room, and he has shown what true work ethic is all about. And that's what I think, um, kudos to the Bruins management at the time. They had to find a way, a central figure to invest in, to, and at the age that he was, he was what, 29 when he signed? Um, they, they had to bring in somebody who could be a foundation building block and, uh, show the leadership to other players and show a guy that who could develop into a historic figure like uh, Chara has. And he has just set a, a standard for uh, the Bruins players over the course of a generation. Think how long he's been here. He's been here as almost as long as Brady. And he has had just as much of an impact on the Bruins as Brady has had on uh, the Patriots, it's just that Brady, I think you can do more as a quarterback to lead team to championships, and that's what Brady has done six times. Chara has won once and been to the Stanley Cup final two other times. The other thing I would tell you is I think the gruel, the grueling uh, schedule that Chara has gone through is even tougher than what Brady has gone through. Oh, 100%. And also the Bruins have only missed the playoffs three times in Chara's, uh, what is it, 12 year, 14 years? Yeah, 14 years with the Bruins. I think it's 14 years. So they've missed it three times, which 
if you somehow could convert that between football, it would be somewhat similar, I think. 05, 06. I think his first year was the year after the lockout, correct? It was 06, 07. Was 06, 07. Then this is his 14th season. Yes. Oh, by the way, not to make people feel completely old listening to this and not to make you feel old, first Bruins team I ever followed religiously was the 2006-2007 terrible Boston Bruins. You guys should be thanking me that I stayed around for as long as I have after watching that despicable team. Um, but I've yeah. never, I've that, never really watched. Those were dark years. Those were dark years. I've never really watched a Bruins team without Zdeno Chara. So it's a weird thing for me where it's like, well, if he's gone, this, I've never seen it. I've never watched a Bruins team live without Zdeno Chara. So I think that's a very odd thing. And I also think uh, we're going to probably do a lot of shows about Chara down the stretch or a few segments here and there uh, because we don't know if this is his last season or not. Nobody really knows. And if there's any guy who's not going to have a farewell tour, it's Zdeno Chara. So who really knows uh, with regard to that? It's funny. DJ Bean uh, said this in the end of the decade recap show we did two or three weeks ago. Uh, he mentioned how to him, Chara was somewhat higher than Brady in his own eyes. I mean, he's more of a Bruins guy than anything, but you know, what he did for the team, you know, winning that cup, just the the mainstay he's been, the leadership. And I think that it's an accurate comparison. I think you can compare Brady and Chara. I, I think it's totally possible. And if you look at the Mount Rushmore of Boston athletes in the 21st century, obviously you have Brady, you have Ortiz, and then I think you have Chara. I think you put Chara ahead here's, of Bergeron. Here's to, to support what DJ was saying. Moore was placed – on the shoulders of Zdeno Chara than was placed on Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the most accomplished quarterback in the history of the NFL, and there's no debate about that. He's the GOAT. He's the greatest quarterback, um, you know, the NFL's ever seen. But I think more was expected of Chara to change the culture around an organization like the Bruins, who had a lot more history than the Patriots did, even when Brady had won three Super Bowls by the time Chara had come to Boston. Um, Boston was a franchise that hadn't won in, what, 35 years, 40 years? And, 39 until 2011. Yeah, right. So in thir- it hadn't won for 34 years when Chara had gotten here, okay? And Chara did not have the structure that Brady had around him, meaning obviously Belichick. And when you talk about what Brady has built with the Patriots, it's been hand in hand with Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. With Chara, it's been Bergeron, it's been Chara, and that's essentially it. That is essentially it. That's all he's had. It's Bergeron. And by the way, no disrespect to, to, to maybe not putting Bergeron in the Mount Rushmore, um, or to, I just think Chara's importance. Bergeron's had the better moments. You know, Bergeron's been an anchor up front. But I just think, as you said, the expectations. Uh, Bergeron's the. Bergeron I think might Bergeron's be the best. The, I think Bergeron's the more overall gifted and better two way player than Zidane Chara. Correct. Uh, but in terms of setting a culture in the room, that that's been on Chara, and even Bergie would acknowledge that. And the other thing is, nothing makes a player and or an athlete or anybody in life in general cave more than great expectations. To have these huge expectations that Chara set for himself, 
Char could have just signed in Boston and just been a player. I mean, it, you know, whatever. A lot of money. A lot of guys have, a, you know, get a lot of money. It's still a lot of expectations. But he walked in here and said, "No, I'm going to. If I'm only signing here, if I'm going to be the captain, original six team, walking in with your balls on the table and saying, I'm going to be." The captain, as as the uh, from the the movie, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the movie, but you know I'm the captain now. Pretty much walks in and says that. Imagine if he came in here and sucked. Imagine if he came in here and was an epic failure. And he well, was a horrible if he captain did, and... people would forget about him. People would be done with him in two or three years, and he'd be forgotten about. But that's the thing about a Chara, a David Tease, or a Tom Brady. They're not afraid to put you know, the balls on the table, like you say, and say, here, I'm putting everything out there. You guys have a problem with me. I'm going to accept responsibility when things go shitty. And just as much as I'll, you know, enjoy the glamour and all of the praise and glory is the word I was looking for. Enjoy the glory when things go well. Yes, I totally agree with you. I think Chara is uh, ranks right up there. Uh, with all those guys. Um, but Trags, thank you so much for doing this. It's 1040 on a Monday night. Uh, thank you for doing this. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug before I let you go? Patriots Beat drops Wednesday mornings, every Wednesday morning uh, at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Give me a listen uh, on that as I have some great guests. I talked to Evan Lazar uh, this week about shocking. Uh, Brady doesn't come back. Uh, what is the impact of him returning to the Patriots 2020? Those are all big questions that we're going to have a lot of time to dissect and no better place to hear that all dissected than over at Patriots Beat. I also would like to apologize, Trags, because uh, us recording at this time means we missed our favorite television show, Ness and After Hours. Okay. I think. Yes, it does. And I'm, I've got it on DVR, so... I'm going to have to go back and catch the uh, After Hours highlights, and I'll be sure to watch that. I can't wait to see some wacky moments and we can talk Adam Sandler tomorrow morning. We, we can do an After Hours. Uh, yeah, but we can do an After Hours um, post-show. Maybe that's an we, uh, idea for a podcast. Uh, why, why don't we qu- – you should quit Patriots. I don't Patriots. know if got the time to do that. No. You should quit you Patriots Beat. I quit Bruins Beat, and we – Dedicate our full-time living to after, after hours. hours. After after no, no, no. hours. There you go. After after hours. And we'll do it for Nesson, and it'll be something absolutely tremendous. We're going to have so much to talk about. We are. Uh, but, Trags, thank you so much for joining. Uh, for real, for real. Uh, Trags, I want to say this. People listening, Trags has jumped on uh, covering the Bruins this year. He's covered the Bruins a lot in the past, but for us, he's covered the Bruins full-time this year, and he's done an incredible job, um, really something spectacular. And he's going to be on more and more down the stretch because Patriots are, you know, kind of going into the into the backdrop, and the Bruins are slowly but surely coming to the forefront, and Trags is going to be absolutely all over it, um, as he has been for a lot of this year. He's done a tremendous, I tremendous job. I appreciate that, Evan, and I uh, love doing it. So thank you. It, Trags always says to me, loves covering the Bruins, loves hockey, uh, mainly because sometimes he gets to go to games with me. So that's pretty cool. Um, but Trags, thank you so much. Uh, and for CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You, listeners, have a great rest of your week. 